Hello and welcome to the 361 Podcast, Season 10, Episode 7. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ray from the All About Sites. And I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. This week we're talking all about virtual reality. It's a well-funded and fast-emerging sector of the market. And we're trying to understand what it can be used for and how it will impact mobile. Thanks to our friends from TigerMobiles.com, we've got a fantastic prize if you sign up for our exciting new newsletter. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? I'm rocking. Very exciting. I'm doing very well, thank you, Ben. You're very chipper this week, Ralph Blanford. I am. Well, I had a little break in Pembrokeshire, so I'm feeling very relaxed and rested. A Blanford holiday? Indeed. And uh, were you there seeing anything of interest? I was looking at puffins on Scomer Island. They were skipping across my feet. All right, fair enough. Some, you know, sometimes, very impressive. Sometimes you ask a question and then you regret it because you have to engage with the answer. Okay. Were you there for concrete, by the way? Well, you mentioned that, and yes, I was actually, as okay. well. Went to St. David's Airfield. It's a top concrete tip, actually. Are there any places in the world that aren't top, top, top concrete? <laughs> cop, cop, top, top, careful, top, careful, top, careful. Yeah. Let's keep this family. I think there's probably a naughty word in there. Yeah, a top right. concrete tip. It, it was. Well, it was St. David's Airfield, ex-World War, now disused. It's a nature reserve. But you can see all the dispersal areas, the main runway, and that you flew Halifaxes out of there over the western approaches. Uh, but you can also see all the dispersal areas and some of the huts. So really very exciting if you're passionate about concrete. All right, let's move on. Um, in my news... <laughs> phrase, if you're passionate about concrete. <laughs> in italics. Yeah. My news is, what was that thing that you recommended a little while ago that changes the screen colour of your... Um, flux. Flux. Yeah. Who was it? Was it that Ben? Was you, right? graphic, yeah. I have been using that non-stop. I just wanted to say it is amazing. Really, really cool, because I'm doing a lot of work late into the evenings, and it's so nice to see the screen going... Kind of goes tan, basically, as far as I'm concerned. It takes the blue colours. Late, the later in the day, the fewer yeah. blue colours in the right, colour that, that, It's really, really useful. I am loving it. So I just wanted to say, if you haven't tried Flux on the Mac... Well, you can get other versions yes. of other platforms. Really, really useful. It's made a massive difference because it means I, I go to sleep. If you're working late, it's easier to get to sleep with this kind of non-blue stuff pointing you're, at me. You're looking remarkably healthy and well-rested, you're in. So it's I clearly think I, I'm uh, tan. I did sports day again. I didn't run. Good plan. Yeah, it didn't run. No, no. If you're looking for sports day updates, it's uh, earlier in the season and it didn't pan out well for Mr. McLean. No, I didn't. I didn't. I showed the video there, man. Yeah. No idea. And uh, no, I'm grand. Thanks Thanks for asking. Oh, yes, yeah. What were you? No, that's fine. I mean, you know, if you're not bothered. Since you're here. Well, I, I thought uh, since we'd done 10 episodes of me politely waiting to be asked how my week had gone and no one bothers. <laughs> All right. right. How did your week go then, Ben? It's good. I was obliged to use Android this week, much against oh, my will. You poor man. And I was obliged to use it for business purposes. So I accept grudgingly that people might use it for their own personal devices. Half the planet. Do you realize that, you know, it's like 60 to 80% depending on the market you're in now, Ben? I, I, I'm aware of that fact, yeah. but I'm also aware of the fact that I had to make a business dashboard to show transactions on a customer's website. Right. And, you know, it's a pretty standard kind of thing. And the customer in question uses an Android device. And, oh, dear me, all of the decent apps that do this kind of thing are on iOS, as far yeah. as I can tell. I'm sure somebody will write in. Please write in and tell me I'm wrong. But it was just a horrible experience. Okay. So you may also be able to hear some background noise this week while recording. Friend of the show, Iliko Ella, from our hostage SLBI, is pointing an enormous camera at us as we speak in the interest of getting some photography for the website. It's live, in, in the moment. Exactly. Shots. So you, you may see some photos or you may not, depending on how these pan out. But if you hear the occasional click, that's uh, Rafe Blanford uh, modelling his shot. I think we should get to the main meat of the subject this week. And 
one of the best things about having our voicemail service, which loads of people have been using, and we've got a bunch of messages we're going to get to. Thank you. Is that uh, sometimes people ask us questions that, well, you know, that we think they're so interesting, we think they're worth basing a whole show around. And uh, James Watley and Stefan Constantinescu from the excellent voicemail podcast. Hello, gentlemen. You should check oh. it out left us a voicemail from their own podcast. It's like one podcast shall speak unto another. <laughs> I know, it's very exciting. And well, they asked us a question and it just seems rude not to answer it. So here we go. Hello. Hi, I can hear you, James. I can hear you too, Stefan. We're on the voicemail for, ha ha, this works perfectly. Hello, 361 Podcast. This is James Watley and Stefan Constantinescu. Starting from the voicemail, leaving you a voicemail. This is amazing. <laughs> We have a question for the show. Yeah, it's uh, in regards to virtual reality, James. Yeah, so have you tried Google Cardboard? I'm thinking you have. And do you think there's a future in VR and mobile, given that you've got the Samsung VR Gear, Gear VR? What's it called, Stefan? The Galaxy Gear VR. Given that that's coming out and Google Cardboard and there's a Sony PlayStation thing coming out, I want the 361 podcast eminent opinions and all things virtuality. And I also want you to try it because Google Cardboard is cheap and I know that not all of you are. And speaking about cheap, where do you think virtual reality is headed on the price spectrum where we have the $20 Google Cardboard and then you have something like the Oculus Rift where it's 1500 and that includes the cost of a high-end computer. So Rafe will have a couple for the dogs that prowl the grounds outside, and then Ben will probably have one for him, and that's it. Yep. Okay, well, that's our question. Have a great show, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. I'll just point out that it's geese, not dogs. And hold on, what about me? Yeah. Didn't even mention me. Thanks a lot, gents. They didn't mention you. Yeah, thanks and a lot to the voicemail. No. So if you've got your own podcast, but you can't be bothered to do any research about a topic you're interested in, why not ring us and have us do it for you? Excellent. <laughs> But no, joking aside, it is Excellent a question. really good question. Really interesting area. Yes. And we've seen shed loads of stuff around VR and that kind of stuff recently. So it's an area that we should definitely be talking about. So thanks to the question, guys. Mm. Um, let's get into it. So Rafe Blanford, before we start, we should always define our terms. And there's no man I'd like to define my terms more than you. <laughs> so first up, what is VR? Well, uh, VR, which I'm going to borrow from Wikipedia here, it's referred to as immersive multimedia or computer simulated life that replicates an environment that simulates physical presence in places in the real world or imagined worlds. It can create sensory experience that might include virtual taste, virtual sight, smell, sounds and touch. I suppose the shortcut to think about it is kind of the holodeck from Star Trek, which I know you're a big fan of. I am. Thank you. But it goes right down to the kind of the Google Cardboard, which is kind of fewer sensors and a kind of lo-fi approach. You talked about Google Cardboard and VR for most people in most cases is going to be about synthetic visuals and synthetic audio because we haven't quite got the smell and the taste and the touch and that kind of stuff nailed yet. That's right. I mean, there's been various approaches over the years. I mean, it actually goes back to kind of the 80s with uh, Sega doing various VR things. And there's been smell of vision in cinemas and some attempts to do touch. But in terms of the mainstream thing and things we're going to concentrate on in this podcast are very much around visuals and audio and it's interesting to do it now because we're in a kind of generation of hardware where it's actually reached the point where it can be quite convincing and it can reach that kind of immersive category so that anyone who's tried out oculus rift you know will know it can be quite convincing i mean you still know you're in vr but it's 
very different level to what has gone before. All right, just before we move on quickly, we've got to touch on the difference between VR and yes. AR. Yes. So, well, Mr. McLeod, why don't you jump in? So the pedant in me, or actually no, no, the consumerist in me, says there isn't a difference. I know there is, but as far as I'm concerned, augmented reality is virtual reality. It's the same flipping thing, right? Because I think the consumer has a massive, massive problem differentiating between augmented and virtual. I think that's a really fair call. But just for the sake of argument, Rafe, give us the real words and then let's come back to that thought. The thing about AR is it's additive to stuff that's already there, right. whereas VR is replacing the whole thing. It's creating a complete world. Yes. AR adds on top of the existing world, and so it might be labelling something, it might be putting in something that's not there, but the implication is the framework of the real world is actually still there. With VR, you might be recreating a real-world place, but you're doing that in a complete way. You're not sort of laying it on top of other things. And yeah. AR is sort of the Google Glass approach and layer, and there's been a, a lot mm, of it around. Mm. And I think it's very distinct because it's additive as opposed to replacement. Yes. It seems like this kind of superficial differentiation, but the point for me is that VR tries to do a much bigger job than AR, doesn't it? It tries to create an entire environment. Yes. Whereas AR is very much giving you benefits on the, you know, what you can see around you. And like we talked in previous episodes about smartphone apps and things that can show you where your oil should go and your car bonnet and that kind of stuff. So it's perhaps more in the consumer's eye. But as you say, VR has been around for a very long time. You know, even those, those old sort of console type games. Yeah. I think one point that is worth making is actually the technology that underlies them is actually quite similar because they're about you know, taking sensory input and using that to be able to do smart things with a simulation or AR. And so that ability to, for example, do head tracking or eye tracking is actually used in both because that's how you, you kind of do this augmentation or this virtual reality. But I think the application for which they're used are, are quite different. But James and Stefan asked us about virtual reality, and it is virtual reality that we will talk about at least for a bit. So let's talk about devices. Stefan, I think, was saying, have we tried any? I've had a cracker, an Oculus Rift, back when they were, well, I think they still are, but some one of the very original developer mm. handsets. Have you guys had a go on Google Cardboard? Because I haven't, and I feel like I'm missing out. No, I haven't done Cardboard. I've done Oculus, and then I've done some very old VR. And, you know, the reason why I haven't bothered is because I, I just don't want to be disappointed. I do mean that, right? I just, a lot of this stuff is just nonsense. I am waiting for the time when you can do holodeck stuff. I do like what I've been seeing in the various different keynotes, particularly around um, uh, what HTC have been doing. i excited at what could come here, but I, yeah, every opportunity has got, oh, no, no, just don't. Until this stuff is absolutely flipping brilliant, I don't want to look at it because I just don't want to see a whole lot of pixels in some block, you know. I'm thinking about, you know, sitting on an exhibition floor and so oh, put this on, put this on, and you have to do the fake thing. You go, oh, that's amazing. When it, it just wasn't good I, at I, all. I think you might be surprised how far it's come in its most recent incarnations. And I think you'll have a long wait for it to get perfect, but maybe we'll come back to that. I mean, mm. I've tried out cardboard and it is the cheap version, but it gives you an idea of what VR is like. And I actually think it's pretty amazing that you can add that kind of effectively a $5 accessory, especially if you make it yourself or even the pre-made kits are kind of $20 or so and get VR off an existing device. It's hard to think of another input mechanism that is you know, smart. Is quite so cheap and effective. And Gear VR, which is the Samsung version I've also tried, is basically a kind of a grown-up version that is done with plastic molding. But actually, the approach is very similar. You're using the handset screen to kind of do the VR. Oh, I didn't realize. So the Samsung yeah, so, one actually is a, a mobile device in a holder. Yeah, so, okay. you, so there are various implementations of that. And then there are mobile ones that 
you know, have uh, screens within them as well and they get a, a bit more expensive. I've also tried out Oculus Rift and it is very much a complete level up mm, uh, from mm. that. And actually it depends very much on the content, how good it is. Because Oculus does visuals, but also the audio as well, doesn't it? So it, it does, it does kind of VR audio. And one of the things is about virtual reality that people don't appreciate, the visuals are kind of full one bit of your brain, but it's not until you get audio that you get the impression of really being there. And actually the same thing applies to the HTC Vive, which is the partnership with Valve. Yes. And having you know tried that out, the, the amazing thing about having the VR audio in that is actually it feels a lot more real and you do find yourself ducking when something approaches you. Kind of like the early days of 3D cinema yeah. before your brain became accustomed to it. And actually the Vive is also interesting for another reason because it's uh, room scale VR. You can actually move about when you're wearing it. I um, like that. And that's also critical, but of course, it, Ben's probably going to come back and say it still doesn't do smell, it doesn't do touch, and that's... No, I was going to ask how you don't fall over, but... Well, um, it effectively creates walls for you by sort of placing limitations in the environment, as I understand it. And there's actually sensors scattered around the room that effectively create a box that you can move right. around in. And it, you know, it's getting better, but it's, it's still not perfect. But it does mean you're not kind of having that sit-down experience, which is what Oculus Rift is kind of about i think the other one we should mention for james Watley is the uh sony project morpheus which is linked to the playstation actually for me that's one of the most interesting ones because they've got quite a narrow focus on it it's going to be about you know, vr games for the playstation yeah and you know some of the technology they're putting into that in terms of the resolution of the screen some of the technical and hardware specifications are great and of course people are buying it already got the computer so there isn't the need as there is with the vibe of the oculus rift to potentially have to buy a new computer just to use this new accessory you've got yeah i've been really surprised how much i've seen recently and it, it, it made me think actually how little i'd played with vr stuff because aside from that oculus demo that i had a play with i've really not had a go and yet it's very odd then so i was walking through waterloo station one of the main railway stations in london the other day and um, as we record this now the wimbledon tournament is going on so we're recording this episode fairly well in advance of it mm. going out. But Stella Artois, one of the beer sponsors of that event, had a big stand in the middle of the station, a you know, commercial tie-in, lots and lots of branded up Google Cardboards with devices in so that you could experience being on centre court or something. But it was right there as a marketing tool. I went to a motoring event recently, the Goodwood Festival of Speed, oh, which yeah. is a you know, fantastic motoring event held in a, you know, around a stately home, just down the road from Rafe's stately home. Similar, yeah. Yeah, it is very, very similar. In fact, I Some imagine, staff I imagine Goodwood Manor is very similar to your house, except without a racetrack immediately outside. He's got a lake. Just true. Possibly That's a little true. smaller. Yeah, possibly a little smaller. <laughs> <laughs> but I went around some of the stands there, and some of the big motor manufacturers and the one I think I remember was Mercedes had loads of Samsung Gear VRs that was for experiencing um, you could ride along with the Formula One driver and see what it felt like to be you know going around a, a Formula and how did you try any of these no I, I didn't but it, it's kind of that thing of at the moment for me I haven't really been that excited I just don't yeah it's, it's I, a novelty I don't want to be exposed to this stuff unless it's amazing but it, it's certainly entering the mainstream in terms of the amount that's of good, times good. you're seeing it and yeah. I think what's and probably worth, worth making here is uh, the Oculus Rift the Morpheus and the HTC Vive are all due to come out either late this year or early next year so we're right on the cusp of it becoming a consumer device that you'd expect to see in the shops and it's kind of like the year before the tablets came out yeah. we all knew that that was kind of a, an area that was being worked on and potentially this could be a very big new consumer segment. Mm. I have my doubts about it, but make no mistake, you know, there's going to be a lot of it. There's going to be a lot of chat about it. And so I think one of the interesting questions is to answer what sort of things is it going to focus on in the first few years and how important is it going to be? Yeah, I think before we go on, there's one that we haven't mentioned, 
Microsoft's HoloLens, which actually was the one that I... I find that the most exciting at the minute. I, I was interested about, but Rafe has forbidden it from being on the list because Rafe Lanford. Because it's really augmented reality. It's not VR. You're actually looking through a lens and it's projecting additional things or the holograms as Microsoft would have it into the kind of the field of view. The actual consumer one is quite narrow, so it's not this big immersive thing. But like you, I actually think HoloLens and what Microsoft refers to as holographic computing, which could be called augmented reality computing, probably has the most potential to shake up things particularly outside the entertainment and media space. And some of the demos we've seen have been really very compelling. But specifically, it's not virtual reality. It's augmented reality. Well, this is is where it gets silly. I agree with you, but I I think the consumers are going to get confused. What is a one single term for this? I I think it's just reflective of the fact it's kind of early days in the industry. I mean, I do expect AR and VR to kind of move closer together, but... You know, they are very different because the kind of wraparound VR units do tend to kind of seal you in a set of goggles, whereas HR is kind of, it's still a big set of goggles, but it's it, you're still open to the world. And it's like, you know, Google Glass. Mm. In theory, it, it's subtler, but, you know, what's interesting about that AR and HoloLens is it takes advantage of the environment around you and builds up on top of it. And so for doing some of the, the use cases around industry or health or entertainment or productivity, it's, I think, more interesting than VR. But I think we should focus on VR because it will have the more immediate impact. And actually, HoloLens is probably the vanguard of more AR stuff coming over the next few years, just as Oculus Rift was the vanguard of VR, so going back 18 months. Well, let's come back to that VR versus AR thing. The key thing there is that they're very, very similar. And from a technical perspective, it's certainly very difficult to see that an investment in one technology wouldn't be immediately relevant to the other. So clearly the manufacturers are seeing where they think they can have their effects first or where they can see the benefits first, but they're very closely related. Okay, let's talk about hardware though, because another concern I've got is when you put these things on, typically you do feel a bit of a plonker. It's like going into the cinema and putting on these uh, glasses. Or Have you got any of those 3D glasses, the, the big stupid ones for your TV? Yeah, and do you know where they are? No. They're still in the little cardboard box that came in the box that the TV so came So you've in. got a 3D TV uh, or a virtual reality TV. 3D TV. 3D, right. Yeah. And they've got these wicked snazzy glasses. They're the, they were quite expensive, weren't they? Obviously, they ship with the TV. Oh, included. But yeah. yes, the TV was a significant premium because it had 3D amongst other things. I mean, it's smart TV, yeah. so, you know. But I agree with you because I find, you know, we don't bother putting those on because even when we're watching a movie, very rarely is it such an event that we settle down and go, right, oh, you know, get the popcorn, get the special glasses. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you might be sitting and watching TV and say, oh, I think I'll flip that film on. Yeah. Or, oh, there's that, you know, on the front page of iPlayer, there's a, there's that film we we're interested in mm-hmm. watching. See, I think you're being unreasonable. I mean, for the first point, it's kind of early well, days, I, and so I, the technology will get better. I'll tell you about what happens in my house, right? <laughs> it's not being unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you're being a bit unfair. And also, I don't think you should underestimate kind of the extra gadgets that sort of particularly gamers are going to be willing to, to uh, wear. It's a completely so, different plan for the gamers, right? With gamers, so, I can imagine going and get Call of Duty and saying, right, I'm going to pay Call of Duty now. Next two hours, boof, goggles on the whole. Yeah, so yes, I, I think, would do and, that. And I think that's the early space for VR. I mean, yes. actually, we've had a couple of the pioneers, the founders of people like Oculus Rift and indeed mm. other companies in this space have come out and said, actually, for the first couple of years, it's going to be all about gaming and to a certain extent about media. I mean, Oculus are well known for having invested in a couple of movies and mm. actually they've got a movie studio for VR and no, it's early days so it's still very experimental I mean don't get me wrong 
putting on those things, you do look ridiculous. I mean, it's very noticeable at somewhere like MWC that you see all these businessmen in suits wearing VR headsets and they look ridiculous. I think that people are getting confused with mobile and virtual reality because by chance, right now, today, devices that have high enough speed and quality graphics happen to exist as phablet devices. And it's just a coincidence that phablets are now capable of doing something like a Google Cardboard. And there's nothing intrinsically linked to the mobile industry about slapping that device in a holder in front of your eyes. And sooner or later, as those technologies get cheaper and diverge, the headsets will become completely bespoke and tailored to that particular use case. And we won't think Google Cardboard is a mobile device. No, it's like it's an interim hack just by some chance that these two things have coincided absolutely it's just about accessibility to the technology although i think actually as mobile devices get more sophisticated it will kind of move that way but really vr i think should be regarded as kind of another output accessory you wouldn't say that you buy a monitor to go with your mobile phone or you buy a tv to go with your mobile phone despite the fact it's quite capable of being put into both those devices with hdmi out or airplay or you know google chromecast or something like that and i think vr in, in that sense is more like a TV or an external monitor. It's just one that happens to be attached to your head. When you put, a, let's say, a Galaxy Note 4 or something like that in a Samsung VR device or in front of a Google Cardboard, you know, in the UK, that's a £700 piece of kit. So it makes sense that you'd want to reuse it. But it does make me think as well, you're going to have to be a very, very enthusiastic gamer before you start paying six, £700 at the moment in technology in order to have a virtual reality headset. It does feel like cardboard is more of a novelty value at the moment in trying to do something interesting. Will people use it long term? And, And that's why things like Vive or the PlayStation Morpheus are potentially more interesting because not only do they take the quality level up a very significant amount, they're kind of attached to your existing devices in a way that just feels a a little bit more suited to the situation. As you and said, you know, people sitting there playing Call of Duty. It's difficult to see people wearing VR on the bus. Plane journeys, long haul, interesting exception. Singapore, we've actually done a kind of trial of that and that's kind of escaped from that. Singapore Airlines, are they? Yeah. Okay. I I still think there's a Google Glass problem with that. You know, I in the, completely you, agree because yeah. you, you use total immersion. Yeah. You've got to you know take it on and off, and there's a big like I want to I want to say context switch, but it's really kind of quite a big switch to go from playing a game or total immersion. And also, I think that games it, it's a lazy example because it's the first one that everyone can think of. It's like sports tracking for smartwatches. It's the convenient, well-suited, easy use case that everybody can write up. Mm. If VR is going to be exciting, and I'm struggling at the moment to get excited about it, frankly, there's got to be some more valuable or interesting use cases than games. I mean, games are fine, you know, legit. If you like that, then great, well done. You know, I know James is a big gamer, so he'd probably really like it. But to create an industry, Rafe, where are we going to see virtual reality actually matter? Well, actually, much like AI, I think the biggest potential might be in industrial uses. And one that springs to mind immediately for me is had a demo from Ericsson of teleoperation with an Oculus Rift and was actually in Barcelona but was driving a tractor that was moving gravel around back in Sweden. It was as if I was sitting in the cab in Sweden and doing the teleoperation. Was right, it, but wait a minute. Was what, it gravel or concrete? It was gravel. Uh, what type of gravel? River gravel. Oh, river, that's, it. that's different from field gravel? Yeah. yeah. I have no yeah, idea. It's different consistency, yeah. Was the tractor that you were sitting in a series of polygons? Uh, no, it was sort of, it felt very real and you could look around the cab and it, it was a cat vehicle 
I was expecting to be a little bit, yeah, this doesn't really work, but actually it was very effective. Now there are some technical limitations over kind of latency to overcome and actually Ericsson was showing us off for 5G and the low latency. But I think you can also think about that in some of the health situations and potentially military training. And that's where I think it becomes interesting because you're creating or an artificial environment or a recreating environment in a way that can be a lot cheaper. And just as you know, flight simulators are used for pilots, I think... VR would make a lot of sense there where it's important that it feels as realistic as possible or if you're doing something to someone real at the other end. Certainly I've seen it used in military simulations and you know that's an environment where there's enough money and enough time that spending a lot of money on simulations still is, is good value for them. I'm just trying to think, you know, what around the home, I mean, I'm imagining that you might do training or learning yeah, perhaps, you know, that could possible. be a good way. If you've got a problem at home, like for example, my burger alarm in my house yeah. broke and I couldn't, I didn't know the manual, I didn't know how to reset it, and I've watched a YouTube Aren't video. Are you talking about AR here, not well, VR? But what, Are you going to put your but crazy you, immersive it, headset on? No, but not for that use case. But no. if you roll that forward, if I was said, okay, actually, I'd really like to train to be an electrician or I'd like to train to be a motor mechanic where you're kind of moving up that next step where actually, you know, you need to have very intricate understanding of the operation that's going on. You know, I can imagine training providers saying, you know, stick yeah. these glasses on and watch these immersive videos so that you can, you know, lie down on the ground and repair the car. Yeah. And actually the HTC Vive demos you know, are kind of effective in that sense because they will allow you to pick up tools and actually will, it allows you to basically cook a recipe and that kind of training, you can start to see the potential in there. I think also, if you think about design and some of the things whereby you're working in a shared environment, that yeah. starts to become interesting. And as with any of these new emerging technologies, often the thing that's kind of going to be the really big thing hasn't been thought of yet. And I wouldn't rule it out altogether. I mean, I do think oh, gaming I I'm and not entertainment all, yeah. are going to be... Big well, to start all right, with. All right, so, so here's where I get to then, which is I'm not sold, but I kind of can believe that a lot of people think that it's going to be really exciting. But what I'm baffled oh, by... Hold on a minute. I think you can believe it'll be really exciting. You can, no, right? I can believe that other people think it'll be really exciting. But can, oh, wait a minute. Here's a, here's a question for you. Do you think virtual reality or augmented reality will get to a point whereby it will be simply amazing? Yeah, but that's... Just stop, you know, period. It's simply amazing. It will. Without you having to put qualifications around it, because I think it will be. If you look at Hollywood at the minute, some of the stuff that's coming out of the studios in terms of how they can make virtual hair on a virtual body, which has got sweat done it, you think, is, is that real or is that? It's really, really cool. And if you, you've transposed that into a virtual reality simulator, uh, there's no question I think that's that the, a little amazing. algorithms are getting increasingly sophisticated, but the complexity, and actually we see this in the VR movies, the amount of time it takes to shoot one of those movies as opposed to a standard movie can be a lot more expensive. And the critical question is the value that you get from that going to be commensurate with the amount well, of extra for, money if you, you have But if you make a billion dollars out of a game, then yes, it will be. But I think, again, yeah. you're falling back into the easy and example. And because gaming. I can accept that it could be really big in gaming. I can accept that you buy you know, the PlayStation 9 or 10 or whatever it is, and it will come with a headset and you won't bother using your telly and it will be a completely immersive experience for those kind of games. But the number of people who buy those games and play them relative to the gaming industry as a whole, you know, with casual gaming and tablet games true, and those kinds true. of things. I think it's a really, really niche case. And so I'm not sure that the hassle, you think about Google Glass, I'm not sure that the hassle of having a thing on your face, blocking out the real world yeah. that you can't share, that it's not a, a social experience in so much as we're in the room that you're in now. 
you know, because even gaming around a massive television can be quite a social experience, you know, either playing the same game as other people or, you know, sort of sharing the experience with other people. Well, what about doing HoloLens with um, a friend or partner, you know, a thousand miles apart? That's kind of where I was going with this one was HoloLens and augmented reality, I can understand a bit better because I can see Mm. more use cases, less friction, those sorts of things. But I wanted to go back to the people who are investing in VR because the whole thing was, Maybe it's going to be big, maybe it's not. And, you know, maybe we can have difference of opinions. And frankly, none of us know. But what we do know is that there is shed loads of money going into this. I mean, you know, Rafe, help me out. Zuckerberg and Facebook have invested in Oculus Rift. Samsung has made a huge investment. You know, there are funds investing in virtual reality. There's a lot of hype around this at the moment. And it seems almost as if people are convinced it's going to be a big thing, even before we've actually got any evidence. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's not just in the VR headsets itself, it's in the input space. And actually, it's all the components that go into that, you know, they're having to be kind of re-engineered, just as happened in the the smartphone space. And, you know, the Leap Magic controller for input is a really interesting one as well. I think that's not atypical of technology. I think one of the quotes that we've got from our research is actually a really good one from Mark Zuckerberg, when he says, every 10 or 15 years, a completely new computing platform comes along. So in the 90s, we had these desktop computers, and now we have these much more intuitive devices with phones and tablets. And I think VR and augmented reality are going to be the next big leap. And that's Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. And it was interesting listening to you talk about some of the issues around sociability and it takes you out of the situation. Actually, they're pretty much the mirror argument that people made against computers and smartphones. Now, actually, I think you have a point. I think the immersiveness of VR is is so much further on that it is a bit of an issue. I would argue that By focusing on the mobile device, you might not pay attention to what's around you, but our technology has become better integrated into bringing it with you as you experience the world. It's become less intrusive. It demands less of your continuous attention. And therefore, VR to me feels like the polar opposite, which is why when Zuckerberg says we're investing in Oculus because we think it's going to be a social platform, I just can't fathom it. I mean, he's a very smart man, so he's probably right and I'm probably wrong. But don't tell anyone I said that. And we've seen plenty of other technology. You know, 3D in the cinema is probably the great mm. example, which kind of has taken off, but not in the way that was kind of mass market expectation. Well, but just, just pause for a minute. Recount you and the Minion story uh-huh. that you were telling me the other day, yeah. because it sounds to me like 3D in the cinema has taken off because you can't bloody see a film without it. And it's almost like a monopoly. Well, I had a, a problem in that I had the children and I, uh, I had to get them to the cinema quickly because they were filled with sugar from a party. I had two choices. I could either go to the cinema right in front of me and it had to be 3D, so minions in yeah. 3D, or I could try and do something with the children for an hour and go to the one that was non-3D but it's a different cinema. And I opted for the non-3D one thinking mm. that my five and three-year-old simply would not sit through a full movie in 3D because one, they can't see it normally because it's a bit fuzzy if you look at it normally, yeah. and they wouldn't put the glasses on. So yeah, I mean, that, that is an interesting example and the value add there is, is doubtful. And I think that's the problem with VR. The thing I'd say is we're used to talking about mobile, which you take everywhere and you experience Mm. out in the world with you. VR is going to be something that happens in the home or the office. And so it's actually kind of going back to what computing was before. And I can absolutely see people sitting there in their homes and being transported into new worlds. And I think the whole tourism argument... Total recall. It's kind of interesting. It, It is. But I mean, having had a demo from here, they were actually using their 
new mapping data where they do all the LIDAR collection and they'd yeah. recreated downtown Chicago. And it was uncanny how accurate it was. I mean, really, I suddenly understood why people got excited about VR for tourism. And, and not because I think people will take holidays in VR rather than going there, but it does act as a great taster. And that would be a fantastic way to convert someone and go, yes, I'll go and stay in that hotel because I've had a chance to really see it and understand it. And I think that's the thing we have to understand about VR. Could it become a sales tool? You exactly. Know, like you buy a, a car enabler. or a yeah. holiday or... It is. And it's immersive in a way that mm. we, we just don't see from current kind of multimedia or technologies. Mm. And I think it's easy to underestimate just how much of an impact that has on people. You see, in the research here, we've got some numbers. This particular report by Business Insider says that there are 1.2 billion gamers in the world and they think that gaming is going to drive VR and mobile. Okay, that's fine. But they're also talking about this market in five years. They reckon it's going to be a $2.8 billion market up from $37 million wow. this year. So, you know, they're projecting huge, colossal, more than double-digit percentage growth in all kinds of areas. And I just can't see that whilst gaming will be perhaps the beginning and the most visible part for consumers, I can't see that that's going to keep driving. And, and actually, just to make my point as well, there's a bit of uh, research done by Huawei Technologies Media Lab, and they used virtual reality glasses on people to test whether or not having virtual reality tuition when you're fixing a car made you better or worse. And they found actually that wearing a virtual reality headset impaired your ability to do the job quite substantially <laughs> versus yeah. having a tablet with yeah, the with, the, with, the data, yeah. with the data or the instructional piece next to you. So it's not all plain sailing. Yeah, no, it is about you know finding the right use case and find what works. But I think a certain amount of optimism and a certain amount of being open to the, the new ideas is important because ultimately when it comes down to it, for me, VR is actually just another output mechanism. Actually also then combines some very interesting input mechanisms as well to give you a new experience. But I don't think it will replace one thing or the other. It is more of an additive experience. And for some things, it will work much better than existing technologies. And you know, it's like anything else that is, you know, kind of replacing what went before. You have to have a reason and a motivation to use it. And part of the problem with VR is there are going to be significant, you know, set up costs. And I'm not sure, at least initially, how much value there will be in replacing. For gamers, I think it's an easy one. But for everyone else, you know, the mobile phone was something that gave you loads extra and it was, you know, the everywhere communication device. VR, you know, it's like buying another TV, isn't it? And, you know, for a lot of people, that would be difficult to justify. Uh, computer freeze program. Uh, take us to the Maldives. Come on. Now that, the holodeck experience, that is virtual reality. Okay? But, but I agree with you. But you remember the reason the holodeck felt incredible, but also believable was that they didn't walk in and go, right, I'm just going to put these special boots <laughs> yeah. on and a special yeah. jacket and stick these tubes That's up right. my nose for the smell <laughs> and a big headset, you know, and a, hang on a second, you know. They walked into a room and they were immediately immersed. And yes. we have to cover our bodies in sensors and displays to try and simulate those environments, whereas it was the environment that yeah. adapted in the holodeck. And that's why, for me... Well, actually, let, let's get to that now because we're, we're running out of time and I really want to come back to yeah. the guy's questions. So for what it's worth, I'll give my view. But first of all, do you see virtual reality being big in mobile? Ewan? Uh, yes, I think the, the mobile is quite a useful gateway device given how many people have them. But I also agree that I think you'll probably be putting a, a separate device on at some point. But I think it's a useful halfway house. Rafe, VR hardware in people's homes, where's it going to come from? I think it'll be in the homes. I think the link to mobile is incidental but of course, in this you know, next five, 10 years, mobile will probably become the most powerful computer that people own 
and therefore yeah, so it might the well, only computer-based language. Yeah. You know, it might well be linked to it in that sense, but I actually see it as a more of a home entertainment and office thing rather than out and about, which is what we generally mean when we talk about mobile. And what about you, Ben? Well, for, thank, thanks for asking you. I should it's ask. A, you. Good trained, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, because for me, the, the giveaway is what we talked about earlier. It's about Google Glass and 3D glasses in the home. And I don't have any stats handy to prove it, but I don't think that those things have been especially popular. Yeah. And I think they indicate that even slight friction, slight hassle factor yeah. is a real turnoff. So, you know, for me, I think in the home potentially, but out mobile, absolutely no way at all. But I suppose that then to preempt the next thing is I really believe in augmented reality. Yeah. And I really think that all of this kind of simulated worlds thing you know, it won't be worth the hassle to put on, but actually augmented reality, which could, you know, help you understand things, could add entertainment to the existing world. Because the point is that because you're augmenting what's already there, you don't have to do the work of creating it. You purely right, Once the work is done, then that'll be quite easy. But that's my point is, it is possible for people to create augmented reality experiences now by annotating yeah. and extending yeah. the real world. And brands and entertainment companies can afford and manage to do that. And at what point can you imagine that recreating an entire world, for example, Rafe's example, you know, to sell a holiday to Chicago, a mapping company have had to drive LIDAR with cars, you know, around a city, map every single bit. And that's just purely so that you can stand on the street and look. I'm not saying it won't ever happen, but in terms of immediate value and how people will understand VR, I think AR feels much more likely. And therefore in the that, short term. It, well, as the gateway, and because it's going to be the gateway, not having the fidelity and the real world and the ability to mix and match will feel constraining. You know, people won't want to turn off the real world, as it were, and apart from perhaps games or films or those sorts of things. I think that's absolutely right. And when you think about AR and the way it works, it's actually very similar to how we interact with the real world right now. If you want something in a room, you'll go and get it and place it in there. The fact that AR will be able to kind of create it artificially and inject it into that world. And, you know, the, the Minecraft demo that Microsoft showed off has been talked about a lot. I think it's very compelling. And that ability maybe to just look up at a wall and have a Skype picture frame appear and you do a video call feels sort of more social, or, you know, a better way of doing it. But I absolutely believe that, you know, the technology underlying it is the same, you know, identifying things in the room and identifying head movement and the sort of extrasensory things. And so I would expect that VR and AR will sort of kind of like there'll be an add-on that will turn your AR headset into VR possibly. But I would be very keen to say don't underestimate the potential size and significance of gaming and the kind of the media movement. Because, you know, honestly, having tried it, you try out VR and you do go, wow, the first time. There is very much still a question of you know, what is the value relative to what it's replacing. Blanford, have you seen the movie Surrogates? Uh, no, I haven't. Bruce Willis. It's where we all live at home and a machine goes out. It's too dangerous, you know, to take a risk. So your surrogate, your machine goes out and you experience it through VR. What was that James Cameron movie uh, where they where they controlled aliens? <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was a really famous... What, the really big recent one? Really, oh, I've completely forgotten. The one with the blue people in it? Yeah, the blue people. Avatar. 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 There, we go. there we go. Excellent. All the, That's all, amazing. All the film buffs just, just screaming at us. The one with the blue people. Uh, Smurfs. Smurfs 2. So, there you go. That was my pitch for the potential vision of okay, uh, virtual right, right. Okay, let's wrap it up there. I have no idea if we've answered the questions, but certainly I think a resounding we don't know. But, you know, I took quite a lot of that. 
but possibly, I don't know, maybe a general thumbs down on full-on virtual reality through mobile anytime soon. Anyways, if you've got a question you'd like us not to answer over the course of 35 minutes, then uh, please call in. You can find all our contact details at 361podcast.com. You can tweet us at 361podcast. You can also go to the website and sign up for our newsletter. Mm -hmm. If you sign up for the newsletter and you additionally let us know through the comments or Twitter what you think the best smartphone on the market at the moment is, then you could be in with a chance to win that smartphone courtesy of our friends from uh, tigermobiles.com. Yes, indeed. We've also got some awesome prizes as well. We've got some iOS and Android attachments for printers. You and explain uh, that. Landronics, very, very cool devices. Excellent. Yep. So if you're a busy business person like you and McLeod is and you're indeed. to do busy business printing, then you can do that straight from your mobile phone or tablet. Uh, in, indeed. Which yes. is fantastic. Yes. So a bunch of awesome prizes. And all you need to do is sign up for our newsletter and tell us what the best phone is. So not much of an ask, really, is it? You. So, great. Well, thanks very much, guys. Good to see you. Love you. And we'll be back next week. Editorial assistance this week was provided by Emma Krauss, researched by Roland Banks. This episode's been edited and mixed by Mark Cotton of audiowrangler.co.uk, who's very awesome. Venue hosts this week have been Digitas LBI. As ever, chaps, thank you very much. Thank you. See you next week. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can comment, subscribe and catch up with previous episodes at 361podcast.com. If you're an iTunes user, we'd be jolly grateful for a five-star review. There's a link and pictures of how to rate the show at 361podcast.com slash rate. Each review makes it lots easier for new listeners to find us. 